all of the issues that we face as parents and educators, technology is the one that always comes to the top of the list. What are the latest trends and uses of technology that we need to be aware of? And what do we do about it? Don't miss this episode of Basecamp Live as we hear from founder of Protect Young Eyes, Chris McKenna. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it Ancient Future Education for Raising the Next Generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. So Kelly, we talk a lot on the show about the shaping of affections and, and helping our children to love the things that are true, good, and beautiful. What do you think is probably the biggest uh, thing we compete with in that battle for the affections? Well, it's the, time, it's the time we're not with them, right? It's the time we can't control what it is they're seeing or not seeing. And certainly technology has just driven that through the roof, right? The availability yep. of things in media that we never would have imagined when we were growing up. I don't even, and I, had, I remember talking to a dad years years ago, like back when the smartphone came out 10 plus 11 years ago. And he said, yeah, it's like I gave my kid a phone so I could pick him up after a soccer game. But I realized later I had given him like a snake in a box. Like you just don't even know. Yeah. You don't know. And part of it is trying to play this catch-up game. And so I'm really excited about Chris McKenna. We've had him on before, founder of Protecting Young Eyes. He travels around the country talking about just how do we biblically balance technology? Because there's part of us, I think, that'd love to have like a big old, you know, burn the books, burn the phones, bonfire in the parking lot, parents would all show up. That would be easy. That would be great. (laughs) But then we couldn't pick them up after a soccer game. No, No, I I don't think, I don't think, and there's some parents that go to that, you know, flip phones for life or whatever. I mean, maybe there's, maybe that's something we should do. But realistically, how do we navigate it? So what Chris is focusing on is uh, this new project around the rating system of apps, which is really interesting because we tend to trust technology companies that when they create an app that you kind of, it is what it, yeah. it is what it is. Yep. There's no false ad. There's no fake news in no, apps. No. It's just Snapchat, but who knew if you <laughs> held down the button and scratched your elbow that it would all of a sudden open up this door that takes you into this other thing that's really not so savory. And mm. so how do we stay at top? It's just unbelievable. I mean, the amount of stuff coming out. So this is real practical help. For we're parents. bringing in Chris yeah. McKenna to straighten this thing out and hopefully um, help us to not have to go back to flip phones, but to be, be able to navigate the world in front of us. So Great. Can't wait to hear what he has to say. All right. Let's listen to Chris. Chris McKenna, welcome to Basecamp. Hi, yeah, welcome. Glad, or I'm glad to be here. So thank you. Yeah, I should officially say welcome back because you have back, uh, yeah. you were here before, and I've said um, many times. I think of the hundred plus episodes we've now done. Yours is without a doubt in the top, at least top five in terms of downloads. Um, okay. You say wow, thank you. you say kids and technology and people right. line up. <laughs> That's right, they do. <laughs> you were just telling me before we went on the air. You you're. Um, your work with protecting young eyes is opening up just amazing doors for your team. I mean, you, you, how many times have you spoken already? You just uh, 200 and how many times? Well, last year, so we have a yeah. team of five presenters. I've got someone who manages content just to keep the website updated because as any parent would know, it's almost impossible to stay up to date. So we try to bear that burden for them. And then I have uh, you know an admin assistant who's sole responsibility is to organize our presentations. And we did 293 of them for calendar 2018. And we will far surpass that this year. I mean, we did 17 from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. (laughs) Well, thanks um, for getting up early to talk to me. And this is, this is the issue. I I think of it. um, I call it the 301 problem. Those of us in the 
classical Christian world, we were pretty good at regulating the ethos and the aesthetics and the truth, goodness, and beauty of that 745 to 3 o'clock hour. But boy, at 301, when the smartphones come out of the lockers and the upper school and who knows what's happening in the grammar school too, we're, we're really at the mercy of a whole different narrative, a whole different world of influence. And most of us are barely keeping up with it. So um, before we, I, we're going to get into kind of give us some updates, what's happening out there. Um, but before we do that, just back up for people that are not familiar with your story. So just sure. kind of quickly, 12-year career um, in business advising, Ernst & Young, then you were in a full-time ministry world. Um, how did you get where you are now? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great story. And um, a long story that's summarized, at, you know, I, I, I heard the Lord call me out of business. So I went into full-time junior high ministry, did that for six years. Not like being a junior high pastor, it's anything like being a CPA, right? Could things be more different, but um, <laughs> right. the Lord equipped me, he equipped me for that and love that world. I just love that sixth through eighth grade range. I know that puts me into a really small category of really insane people, but um, there's just something about that junior high range that is so spongy and um, shapeable and mm. so receptive at the same time to both messages, whether it's a message of the world or the message of the Lord. I mean, and so it's an opportune window to, to, to be a part of their development. And so I think that's, what's so attractive to yeah. me about that age. And from there um, was uh, back about three years ago, I had an opportunity then to go work for Covenant Eyes, a software organization that I'm sure people listening to this are familiar with, who have been around for 20 years um, Ron DeHaas, our founder, you know, we, we have this mission to help people yeah. use technology without pornography and it's a great, come up with tools. great tool. And, we use it. Our family uses it. Um, yeah, it's on my yeah. computer right now. Yeah, it's good. So, so it is. Yeah. And, th- it is. and then this entire world's open up for you just, uh, with protect young eyes. Yeah. That came as a part of my ministry role. You know, parents just started asking me a lot of questions about what's this new Instagram thing. If you can imagine a world when Instagram was new. And because I like fixing problems, I decided to come up with a way to help as many parents as possible. And so that was a website yeah. and that was about four years ago. And that's grown into then, you know, this, um, these presentations and other tools yeah. that we want to equip as many families as possible. So, so Chris, let's just jump right into it. I mean, what's sure. kind of what's hap- what's the latest things that we need to be aware of as parents and educators? What's, what's trending out there, if you will? Yeah. So and what, what's trending is, um, this, this, I think a lot of parents are starting to wake up to the realization that the internet is lo- not looking out for the best interest of their families. And, <laughs> and that sounds really, yeah. duh, like what, well, well, duh, but it's um, mind blowing to me how many parents just have this sort of blind trust for the technology that they put into the hands of their kids. And just in the past two weeks, we've had these kind of punch in the gut wake up moments with YouTube kids, this Momo challenge of things where parents are finally having the types of conversations with their kids that they should have been having all along. Right. And so what I say to parents, let's use the Momo challenge as an example. Can you, can you explain that again? We are so completely out of the loop here. Yeah. So the Momo challenge was this really creepy face that was a sculpture that ended up showing up in the middle of YouTube kid videos that trolls and others would splice into these videos, circumventing the algorithm and other controls that were in place to make sure that videos on YouTube kids were clean and good for kids, right? Because that's what parents trust. If it says YouTube kids, you trust you can put it in the hands of your kids. Well, 
that was not the case. And there were some rumors that it was attached to kids committing suicide and all these things. So it, it blew up and parents were freaking out about these images showing up in YouTube kid videos. And, and my point to parents was, listen, if you think this scary face is the worst thing on YouTube that your kids saw last week, then you're missing it. You should have been having conversations about YouTube years ago. It's never been trustworthy. It's never been something that you could just blindly put into the hands of your kids. And the same is true for Instagram and Snapchat, that we have this totally ignorant trust that these are spaces that are okay for kids because the app store said it was 12 plus really. And so I just want more and more parents to wake up to the fact that the internet doesn't care about the morality and the hearts and the minds of their kids. That's up to us. We have to do that. It is a really fascinating thing because on the one hand you see kind of the, this, this generation of, of some have called them the bubble wrap kids. I mean, parents that are just so worried about their safety. You hear them come in and talk to our, you know, in their school world all the time about, you know, literally personal safety and bad people coming in the school and all of that. But then they'll drop them in the backseat of the car and assume that everything has been vetted out for them because we, some experts somewhere in Silicon Valley said it was okay. And uh, that what a, what a tragic irony if, in a sense. Of, it is. Yeah. It is. Have you read the book iGen by Dr. Jean Twenge? She's, I believe, oops, at the University of South, um, is it San Diego? I can't remember yeah. which one. Yeah. She wrote, it's a, it's a fabulous book, right? And she explains that f- very phenomenon that when you look at emergency room records and other things, kids are more physically safe than ever, yeah. right? And at the same time, we're celebrating the fact that like teenage pregnancy rates are down, like all these things are down, drug use is down, yet we have this growing epidemic of mental right. health and anxiety and depression. Yep. We've traded issues. Yeah, that's a great and Yeah. The trading of issues is it. So I think, and I think it is, I'm, I think some people listening are like, listen, now, now my pulse rate just dropped, went up again. Like I already know it's a problem and I know technology is a problem and I am really, um, I'm not, I'm not the bubble wrap parent that doesn't know it. I do know it, but I am honestly, I'm completely at a loss as to how to stay on top of it. So we're going to just a couple of minutes, we're going to go into a break and we come back. I want to kind of get to the, how do we fix it? But I want to stay for a second on this. What's trending, what's happening. I mean, what else is, what's the new things that are being spun up here, um, that we need to just kind of, kind of be awakened to. Yeah. I think privacy continues to be a real hot button item. And what I start I'm starting to see more and more in privacy is that we're focused on the wrong kinds of privacy issues. Meaning whenever I think of privacy or protecting my kids, it's always from those from the outside who could get to my kids. And that's a good fear. We should be aware of those things and we should make sure that chat features on games like Fortnite or Apex or Minecraft or whatever it is, that those are turned off so our kids aren't just interacting with random people. But I want more and more parents to try to think about what sort of behaviors do I have online that are violating the privacy of my own kids, that sometimes I'm the problem because I share too much. And I take that picture of my kid in front of their school. And this is a huge problem, say, when school is first starting up and we're taking photos of our kids. First day, they're holding these chalkboards, you know, first day at first grade or whatever it is in the name of the school. And I'm the one posting these photos. And what am I doing to violate the privacy of my own family? is something that I also want more parents to think more about as privacy mm. just becomes a bigger and bigger issue. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah, that's a great point. We, we, there are just so many dimensions to it, Chris. I mean, there's obviously the big 
kind of the boogeyman question that I'm looking for. Like, what's the, you know, what's the latest, you know, 3D thing that's going to reach out and grab your kid? And the other side of it is just simply, and we think about it all the time in, in the classical Christian school world, this idea of shaping the affections. What are we training our children to love? And are they just naturally, are they going for a book or are they going for this this kind of candy device that's just going to sparkle and flash. And how do we create healthy habits and loves in these, in these kids? And some of it may just be, they're doing really good stuff, but they're just doing too much on the screen. I mean, there's that kind of level to it as well. Right. So, right. Right. So, and maybe still on that path, I um, was just in a public high school on Tuesday and I had a bunch of ninth graders that I was speaking to. And a question that I love to ask kids is what do you wish parents understood better about how you use technology because they have some really strong opinions about that. And I ask that question as often as I can in front of groups that I speak to, because there's often this divide that exists. You have kids who love it and parents who grew up analog and they don't know how to Mm -hmm. interact with each other sometimes. And one of the very strong opinions that students have, whether I spoke and asked the same question at a large Christian school down in Georgia and got the exact same answer is students are tired of being told that whenever you're on your technology, you're doing bad things when all they do is see their parents on technology all the time. Mm, Right. So there's this hypocrisy that's going on that they see that you keep telling me to get off of my tech, but why are you on your phone all the time? And why are you connected to Facebook and checking all the time? And, and so I think there's this need for each of us to model before we judge, model the behaviors that we want our kids to have. And so um, that's another thing I'm seeing more and more in kids. They're they're tired of being just judged when they're seeing adults doing the exact same things. Right. Now, and you're, and you're bringing up, uh, there's so many angles on this, but an interesting point, um, and I'm thinking about a conversation I had with my 17-year-old son recently, and obviously a little more independent when you get to be 17 with technology, but I, you know, we've had some issues where you come in the room and he's on his phone, and I'm like, hey, Liam, um, you know, I'm here, could we have a conversation? And he, I'll never forget what he said at one point deep in the conversation with him. Um, he said, Dad, I've got nine other people I'm having a conversation with right now, and you're one of the nine. And I'm like, you know, the analog part of me is going, that is just absolutely unacceptable. Like, I'm a human being looking at you. What, what? And it just dawned on me, like, the way these kids see it, it's to your point, it's not, first of all, it's not all dark, seedy, bad. Sometimes it's just, it's the world they're swimming in. It's their, it's a relationship. They see that, it, that, that digital relationship with equality, equality to the analog me standing there. And That's so right. there probably is some give and take. And I think we're going to take a break. I want to come back and we're going to look at just sort of how do we, untangle this because we can't, or I guess we can, there are people that want to just have the parking lot burning of all the smartphones and maybe we should eventually do that. But for now, how do we coexist, if you will, with this technology and acknowledge to someone like my son, yeah, I get it. You're a social being and that's actually a way you relate socially. And it's, there's probably most of it's healthy, but there's limits. So why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and figure out what those limits are with Mr. Chris McKenna. Hi, I'm Chris McKenna, the founder of ProtectYoungEyes.com, a website developed by a parent for parents with all the latest information about apps, parental controls, and digital trends that matter to you, including Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, and many other topics. You can subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter. Everything is free. We want to help you parent well in the digital age, so please visit us at ProtectYoungEyes.com. 
Welcome back here with Chris McKenna tackling this ever-challenging topic of technology. And we've talked a bit about just the latest, many of the trends that are out there, Chris. Um, let's, if we can pick back up where we were before the break, I, I was saying I think there's probably three or four different ditches that parents can fall into. One would just be the flip phone. Like we're just going to, when they're, you know, maybe when they're 30, sure. we'll get them a smartphone. And then you got, right. the, you got the other group over here that's saying, um, you know, yes, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible problem, but uh, I also want them to kind of be in the world. I don't, and, and we've got to be able to function. As I was saying, like with my son, they've got to eventually be able to use the technology. So you've got these kind of extremes. Help us navigate this. Where, sure. where do we go? Let me just, I'll spitball some practical things. You know, we do a two hour presentation with parents and sprinkled throughout that, we just drop these little practical tidbits and I'm just gonna cherry pick a few of those out of our presentation for your audience here. Um, so one of the things that I, I tell parents, just as a frame, right? I am not a bubble wrap your kids, keep them away from it till they're 30 guy. I'm pro technology, I depend on it. So I want, if I had my druthers, I would encourage parents to be pro technology, but at the same time, be right kid, right tech. And I think there's, there's, there's a way to do that. And so be an investigator. Don't, don't judge your kids from an analog mindset of when I was a kid, that statement doesn't resonate with them. Hmm. Jump into the tech with them. And before you just shut it down and give them a flip phone and rip Instagram out of their hands, talk to them about how they use Instagram. Because if you want to know a lot about an adult, you understand how they spend their time and their money. You want to understand your kid, understand where they click and why they click there. And it will tell you tons of information about their deep questions, about the things they're wondering about, what the things they're, they're afraid of that they don't know. So I would just, that's my first thing to frame all this. Be an investigator, be curious, don't be condemning. I know it doesn't make sense to you, but understand them better by knowing where they click and you will learn an abundance about your kid. That's the first thing. Okay. Some other practical things that I don't know if you, I mean, you want to add on to that at all. I mean, no, I, I mean, again, I think we could go, we could do a podcast on every single one of these things. I mean, right. other than just the question of, does that mean, what does that practically mean? Should we as parents have an Instagram account? So we're kind of tracking along with them and we understand the technology from a user experience. Sure. Or, if your kid has an Instagram account, absolutely. I would say every parent also should have one because I think there's just a natural accountability that goes with a kid knowing mom is in this, dad is in this, you're, you're following their account. We have a blog post out there about Instagram that maybe could be linked to this that goes through yeah. different steps parents could take to be a part of that world. We don't want you to rip it out of their hands because all that does is make them defensive and dig in. Be a part of it first. If you discover things are doing that are bad, fine. There's a consequence to that. I'm not light on consequences. I just think before we default to judgment, understand them first. So that's okay. that's that's one way to be in that world with them. A couple other things that, you know, that we promote, let, let me pivot towards let's say pornography for a minute here, right? This is this near and present danger with every kid who's online. One of the most underutilized tools that parents have at their disposal that is free to block as much of the porn as possible is something called clean DNS. And almost no parent knows that it exists, yet it's the most effective tool for blocking pornography on all of the devices that kids use, whether it's a Chromebook, an iPhone, an iPad, whatever it is. And so we've written a lot about how to block porn on every device for free, whether it's connected to the, you know, getting it to your router or the devices. Let's, let's block as much of the junk as possible so that it's not even entering our home in the first place. It's a really practical tip that we, that we give to parents that tons of parents have benefited from knowing because it's something that a lot just don't have any knowledge of. And so this blog post breaks it down step by step, what to do, how to set it up just to keep the junk out of your house. 
That sounds so, great. So I, I think I was going to save it to the end, but as we're going through this, because I think pe- people are, you're peaking interest and they're like, okay, I want it. What do I do? Tell them where to go to find this blog post. It's protecting young eyes. Protect. So it protect young eyes.com yep. slash blog. Okay. And then just search for block porn and that will come up. Yep. Keywords like that will, will bring yep. it up. And and your so, first point, I'll just put a plug into, because I was just on your site. I mean, you, you guys do an amazing job of literally taking every one of these top apps um, and and really unpacking it. What is it? How does it work? What are the dangers right. of it? It's fantastic. So, okay, Great. keep going. Good. So we've talked about being an investigator. We've talked about blocking the porn. A third thing I would say is every house should have YouTube under control and understanding how kids are consuming content in that app specifically. I believe YouTube is the number one destroyer of innocence of children. I thought it was and just like whether, dancing cats and cute little video. No. <laughs> yeah, it, well, the, I mean, that's, that's, see, that's the tension with YouTube. It is a flowing field of hilarious cat videos that surrounds a toxic swamp of waste. Wow, that's a quote. Stuck, <laughs> you're stuck with these two worlds that you love and hate. And the toxic swamp is always in the side view being suggested to you. Yeah. Kids will tell you that they're always being exposed to inappropriate content there. So again, we've written under protectyoungeyes.com slash blog or go to YouTube. I don't care if it says YouTube kids. The rule with YouTube is always verify before trust. Verify before trust. You never trust it first, no matter what they say its age range is. That's our, our stance on YouTube. So if your kid uses that app in some way, just make sure it's controlled in some way. And we explain all of that in our blog post about YouTube. So that's number three. Okay. I was going to say, because I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my chair going, what do I do? I mean, you almost would have to sit, stand over their shoulder every time they're using the tool, because it's, like you said, it's not only, as you said, in part in the, for the break, there are actually those conniving folks that embed stuff in, you know, break all the, break the code and embed it into the videos. So you, you have that issue and then you just have it just a good day at YouTube as stuff's being recommended. That's not always really awesome. So how do you, what, and, and- what do you do? Yeah. And so, so let your kids know what to do, right? If your kid sees the Momo face or your kid sees somebody cut into a Peppa Pig video, right? Here's the thing. If your kid isn't in middle school, they should never be on anything that has video content without you being right next to them. That's just my stance. Okay. That, and and when you, they get, yeah, this is that's a huge point. We should probably make that earlier because that's the question parents want to know. They, they really want... When do I, when is it too early or when is it, when is the right time and how much time should they be doing? They want this very specific. Yeah, so what's, they do. what's your answer to that? Okay. So every kid is a little bit different. What's the right age before a kid is two, they probably shouldn't be consuming much, if any screen based content, right? Nope. After yeah. that, it's going to be a little bit up to you, but the question is how much is the right amount of time? The answer is sadly, I don't know, but here's the, here's the turn on that. You judge the right amount of time based on what happens when you take it away. Oh, interesting. Judge that. So if I have a, a 10-year-old who loves a particular app or a particular game, and he's playing it, playing it, playing it, playing it, and time is up, and I take it away, and he has a meltdown every single time, then that means he's getting too much screen time because the emotional response to not having it is in a danger zone where I don't want it. We need to get to a spot where removing that stimulation doesn't turn my child into an altered version of him or herself. And we do that by taking it back, taking it back until we get to the spot and through teaching and telling them. So the rule that we have in my house is 
if you get mad when I take it away, whatever you're playing is gone for at least a day, right? I want them to have a reset to know that I'm not going to let this control me. My boys are seven, nine, and nine, and they love certain games, whether it's Skylanders or Pokemon or whatever it is. And they know that my, I, I want them to use it. I use it with them, but that as soon as it turns to anger, whether yeah. while playing it or when I take it away, then that's the spot that they don't want to be. And I'm trying to help them self-monitor when that happens so they can yep. do something about it too. Yep. So that's my response. It's, it's, a great, I don't know. it's a great image. I'm thinking that it, it, it's such an evidence of the addictive nature of it. It's like taking a, right. a, a, you know, a liquor bottle away from a drunkard. I mean, it's at some point, it's like, he's going to, he's going to jump up and chase you because you've, you've, right. you've denied him this, this pleasure. So that's a great, that's very practical. Okay. Keep back on your. I interrupted you there a little bit, but go back through your. We're I guess we're point two or three of the of the yeah, suggestions. Yeah, we we're kind of working through there. Let's let's yeah. stay on the screen time one for just a okay. minute. I think car car time is a spot. I was just driving home yesterday, um, following someone home from school. It was a fifteen minute ride home from school, and the van in front of me had a video playing for their kids, and I just wanted to smash that video. I'm like, your kids <laughs> don't yeah. need video stimulation and a fifteen minute car ride home from school, and so. Another practical rule that we have in our house is if under an hour, turn off the power, like no trip that is under an hour should have any technology attached to it at all. And I know that is sometimes difficult because kids are poking each other in the back and they're not used to that, but let us reclaim the family trip. Let's count cows and telephone poles and hold our breath as we're going over bridges and all these things we used to do as kids. You know, I, the oldest is seven kids. And so I know sweaty, long car rides over spring break. I know these things. That's bring, part of my Bring shit. back car bingo. That's good stuff. Bring back, bring back these things. Yeah. I know as a parent, that means you got to be a little more intentional about how you prep for trips and create activities for trips. But you know what? That's the trade-off. Yeah. I don't want car time to be me time. I want it to be us time. And that means I got to prepare for that us time. Yeah. So that's, that's another practical screen time, you, yeah. you know, I, Chris, you got to get some there. shirts printed up. Less than an hour, cut off the power. I, that's just brilliant. But... It helps you remember it. I think know? it's great. I think it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep going. Um, another practical tip that we say for you know to parents to know whether or not your kids are ready for certain apps that you might give them. Again, right tick, right kid, right tech. That's a big, yeah. big deal for us is um, whatever app your kid wants to use. I don't care what Disney princess is on the front of it. I might've even mentioned this in the first one, but it's still something really practical that I want parents to use. Parents have to use every single app their kids want to use for seven straight days before they do. Seven straight days, because this gets into the conniving nature mm. of some of the ads and pop-ups that come into apps that I want parents to see what pop-up ads show up on day three that didn't show up on day one, or what sort of language or achievements or awards are given on day five that didn't show up on day two. And at the end of seven days, reflect back on all the things that you experienced. And is that the environment that you want to place your third or fourth grade kid? Yeah. And so we have to use it long before they do, because it has happened that in kid gaming apps, pornography has been a part of pop-up ads and that's not known unless you play it and you experience really, that pop-up ad. Yeah. And so, you know, the other part of that is if at all possible on a free app, get the paid version that keeps pop-up ads out of it. I know we don't want to pay that 99 cents or that 299, but there's just this general, um, uh, fear, you know, that I don't yeah. like to use that word too often because that often makes us, that doesn't motivate us in the right direction. But I don't like pop-up ads. I'm yeah. just going to put that yeah. out there. And I want parents not to like them either because they don't are, they're not always looking out for the mind of my nine-year-old son. Yeah. Right. Yep. 
So it's worth the 99 cents. <laughs> I would most certainly think so. Yeah. But that's yeah. a great idea to actually get, again, you're, you're participating with them. And um, I think, again, especially, it seems like the real, again, in these ages and stages, that it's the grammar school age is when there are so many things that are presumably, maybe even touted as educational. And then, you know, again, it's, it's this sense in which I'm actually giving them something I think that's benefiting them, but I'm not staying with it long enough because I think you're right. Once we look at the rating and the happy princess on the front, we think it's, it's all good. Right, right. <laughs> and that rating is something we're really passionate about right now at Davies at Protect Young Eyes that we've partnered with the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. We have multiple legislators that are on board with us now and other organizations like Protect Young Minds, the authors of Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, which is a really well-known book. We're all getting on board. Um, we've created a website called fixappratings.com. And we are working hard to raise awareness around the fact that Netflix has a four plus rating. That is ridiculous. That Instagram and Snapchat and episode and all of these quote unquote social media apps have a 12 plus rating. Yet in six seconds, Davies, I can show you hardcore pornography on Instagram that I can't turn off. Right? This is an NC-17 app that is being touted as something for seventh graders and sixth graders, yeah. which to me is just, it's the only way, it's the only place where there's no independent rating agency, right? Movies have a rating agency, the MPAA. Video games have a rating agency, the ESRB. Apps have nothing. Yeah. You're, you're relying on Apple and Google and Snapchat and Instagram to tell us what's moral and ethical, and right. it's it's not right. Well, and there's not a lot of financial motivation to put 17 when you can put four and know that you're going to pick up a whole other, you know, more income. It's right there. You guys have already had some success stories. Tell me, there was, um, there was one, I guess, app that... Um, maybe retracted or you guys are gaining some traction in this uh, demand. Am yeah, I right? Last, um, May 18th of 2018 is kind of a defining yeah, um, tell us about moment it. For organization. So Snapchat, an app that it's fun, but it's not looking out for kids. And we don't think a lot of kids should be using it. There's a, a section in Snapchat called Discover. It's where all the articles are posted from different magazines, whether it's Brother, Bleacher Report, Vibe, Cosmo Magazine, others. It, that's where Snapchat makes their money, right? That's where they have people pay to put content. Back on the evening, I believe it was 8 p.m. on Friday, May 18th, 2018, Cosmo Magazine released, and they labeled it as an X-rated segment in Discover called Cosmo After Dark. Wow. And its tagline mm. was all things hot and horny. Like, I can't make this up. This is what it said in an app predominantly used by teens. And we noticed it. Like, we monitor Snapchat regularly. And we noticed it. And we wrote a blog post and posted it on that Sunday morning. And apparently, we were the first. <laughs> um, hundreds yep. of thousands of people later who, like, crashed our website. We had so much traffic. We're sharing this blog post. And we're just mortified by mm. what was put out there. And so on Thursday, that next week on Thursday, we got a, a tweet back from Cosmo that said, uh, hey, just want to let you know that that was a one-time thing and we're going to take it down. And so they took it down and they didn't repeat it. Now their, their comment about being a one-time thing was a, a lie. That was just them covering face. They were going to keep this going and they just got caught. And so that was a victory and we celebrated that. That was a good thing. But the problem, Davies, is that they tried. They tried. Like, not only did Cosmo, but a publicly traded company, Snap Incorporated, allowed Cosmopolitan Magazine to put X-rated content in an app that is predominantly used 
by young people. Yeah, that's a problem. And to me, that is indicative of their mindset. Absolutely. They have no motivation to keep no. clean, pure content in their app because that no. doesn't make money. Exactly. Money makes their world go round and that's always going to be the motive. So thank you for yeah. fighting the good fight for us. That's a great story. And, and I'm excited to hear about the efforts you're making, not only to make us aware as parents and educators, but to literally kind of go up against the industry and, and demand higher standards. That's excellent, Chris. Thanks for being a part of that. You're well, welcome. Yeah, well, we're, we're about out of time. We will definitely have to have you back. Uh, keep us attuned to this uh, challenging world that uh, yeah. used to be outside our doors. As, as a, a British mentor and friend of mine, Donald Drew, used to say back in the 80s, it was the television Cyclops, the one-eyed monster that we'd roll into our living rooms, the stranger in our midst that we'd allow to uh, teach our kids. And now we've got Cyclops in everybody's pocket, and it's tough. And we're thankful for what you're doing. Please uh, please keep up your good work. And again, just remind everybody where they need to go to, to find your resources. Yeah, so the website, protectyoungeyes.com. The other really easy way is any parent who's listening to this can simply pull up their phone and text the word protect to the number 66866, and that'll get you logged into our free biweekly parent newsletter that you'll get directly in your inbox. Sounds That's great. free. Yeah. We have thousands and thousands of parents who get that, so I'd but we love should to do, have more. But we should do that with our kids. Our kids are not around when we're texting that. I guess that'd be bad. <laughs> you know what? Just Set a good example. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris. Thanks so much for being a part of Basecamp. We'll look forward to having you on again. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Basecamp Live. You know, raising the next generation of young people isn't easy. But we'd like to offer you some opportunities to join your fellow travelers in this journey of ancient future education. Hey, Kelly, you know what's really exciting? We just added to the website, BasecampLive.com, a whole section that's uh, designed around getting the word out. It's called Start Here. If you're new, it tells you how to get fully subscribe to it. If you're a school leader, um, you can you can link on to your school website and kind of get updates every time we do a new show is released. It appears on the school website. That's kind of That's kind of exciting. And, and one of the things that I'm really excited about is this new climbers idea that yeah. we're putting together. So tell us yeah, well, about Yeah, I mean, that. it's just simply, we want to hear stories. I mean, the, what, what I'm humbled by are the number of people literally around the globe who are saying there's a better way to raise the next generation, and they're jumping in whatever their context is. And we want to know what you're doing and kind of how you discovered this. And we're just going to create some kind of smaller little vignettes of stories of people. And uh, so, yeah, info at BasecampLive.com. Let us know what your story is. Yeah, we don't have to do this alone. Info at Basecamp Live. That sounds great. All right. Thanks for joining us and see you at the next episode. Well, welcome to the Basecamp Live Climbers series. This is a brand new thing we're going to start. We've had a request out for some time for listeners to share their stories. So I have on the line Jessica Deagle. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, how are you, Davey? I'm doing well. So you've been listening to Basecamp Live for a while, it sounds like. Yes, probably two or three years now, thanks to a recommendation by someone through our school. Great. Well, tell me about your school. Where Where are you? All right. So my kids and I all, we're all at Oak Hill Classical Academy in Decula, Georgia, um, a little bit northeast of Atlanta. And um, when we enrolled them there, I decided it was too good a thing to miss out on. So I got a teaching job there as well. So we're all there. That's, that worked out well. Yes. So, where, tell, so where were you before? What was your... So um, we, I'm actually from this area of Gwinnett, but my husband and I had been pastoring for years up in Virginia. And um, we were not part of any school 
we um, were homeschooling at that time. And, um, but I was homeschooling classically and figuring out how to do it. Um, so, so you didn't myself, you actually. didn't grow up with class. This whole classical Christian thing was totally new to you when you started homeschooling. Totally new. I, in fact, when I discovered it at a um, at a homeschooling convention, I thought, oh my goodness, there must only be a select few of us who know about it because it's so amazing. But I'd never heard of it. Okay, and then and then you ended up there um, in a community where Oak Hill is, and you guys jumped into the the full school, five-day week yes. school. Okay. So when we moved to um, Georgia, I literally sat down at my computer and Googled, is there a classical school near me? And Oak Hill came up. That's fantastic. So what's it done for your family? What impact has the school made? Well, I would say um, as much as I loved homeschool and my kids, we felt alone so much of the time, even though we were doing some good co-ops. Um, and my kids began to say, I want co-op five days a week. And I realized I needed that too. So being at an actual classical school is, it's almost like having a second church family because we're all um, pursuing the same goals together. And we're, we're endeavoring to raise our children in a set apart way. And it's, it's hard enough doing that in a group. Um, so I sure didn't want to do it alone anymore. Yeah. So, so are there, can you think of a story or time where you thought, okay, I'm watching something in the life of my child that is totally a direct uh, result of them being in this community? Well, actually, so uh, just this weekend, um, this is not academic, it's athletic. My daughter got hurt in a basketball game. And I'm telling you, all of her friends, we wound up leaving to go get the arm x-rayed. And I was being texted. We were being prayed for. Um, her little friends were um, calling to check on her. And I just thought, it's so nice to be doing life together with people that love us. That and is, we've only been there a couple of years. So that's these communities are like families. That's really encouraging. Wow. And so uh, any what encouragement would you have for a family that's maybe exploring or stepping into this whole classical Christian uh, school world? Okay, so I would say you have to be willing to recognize this is a whole new paradigm. It's not just doing school um, with more emphasis on Bible or Latin or Shakespeare. It, it is completely readjusting your priorities and the idea that you want to form and shape your children through school. And that school is not a side issue. It's our main issue that we're using as a tool within our family. So the school is essentially doing the same thing you're trying to do at home. That's very encouraging. And do you feel like you're increasingly kind of countercultural to the, those around you? I mean, do you find that this... Uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What do you think? Um, well, you know, it's so great to have positive peer pressure um, and have because my kids feel different enough already, you know, but when you get surrounded in these communities and you realize they're wanting to do life in a very similar way as you do, um, it's so encouraging to your kids to not feel like their parents are the only strict ones or weird ones or um, the ones that don't let you have a social media account at a certain age or they're monitoring those things. So the positive peer pressure helps. It sure um, does. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good word. Well, Jessica, thanks so much for being a great listener and an encourager, and, and thank you for your uh, commitment to, to classical Christian education there at Oak Hill. It's really encouraging to hear what God's doing around the country in the lives of people.
Yes, well, we're thankful for our school and I give a big shout out to all of them. And I thank you for having this because we as parents, we need it. We need these tools daily coming in our podcast inbox so we can be encouraged. All right. Well, thanks, Jessica. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye.